word is true. Praise the Lord. The word is true. So all you people, I had so many calls this week saying, I'm not going to be at church. I feel sick. I feel flu-like symptoms. Some of that could be because of sugar. Sometimes it is. Most of the time it is. Sometimes it's not. I don't know. I, I know, I know someone that, that watches themselves very well, got really sick one time. Like, what in the world? They just got sick like everybody else, and they, they're just very good about it. So you know what? That's where Psalm 103 comes in. Amen? Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget his benefits. Who forgives all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeems thy life from destructions, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. You know, one time I had, one time I had a headache that just would not go away. I didn't know what was, I did not have a cold. It wasn't a cold and it just wouldn't go away just all day long. And I got home at night and I'm just like, Lord, I have rebuked. I have <laughs> said everything, everything I know, everything I know. And he took me to that scripture. You know, if you don't put the word of God in your heart, then he doesn't have much to pull from. But he will say things to you that are in his word if you seek him. Even if you pray in the spirit, he'll bring stuff up that you haven't read yet. So I'm not saying he won't bring something up to you. But when you do put the word in your heart, he so readily comes up. And as I was laying on my bed, just my head throbbing, he said, I said, I crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And he said, where does a crown sit? I said, on my head. And at that very moment, I received my healing. He says, my mercies are my healing. My, my tender mercies are my healing mercies. When the blind Bartimaeus, right? He said, son of David, have mercy on me. This is all free for y'all tonight. Have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy. That's what Jesus was referring to me. He said, it's healing is a mercy. So when someone says, have mercy, he's really calling for my healing to come into his life, whether it's spiritual, soulish, physical, mental. And so he said, I crown you right now with my loving kindness. My loving kindness is sitting on top of your head and my tender healing mercies. And when I saw that, and he brought that scripture up, the headache went just as quick as it had gone, but it lasted all day, but now it was gone. Amen. So that's just, that's the way it is. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, behold, I give you authority. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. If something hurts you, you say that scripture. Jesus has given me authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by it to, to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Amen. Get me a tissue, please. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Say that tonight. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. And Jesus went into Simon's mother's, in, uh, Simon mother-in-law house, and they made request of the mother-in-law because she had a high fever. She was sick with a high fever. Fever is a symptom. It's not a sickness. 
but it says she was sick with a high fever. Many times we want to we want to know what's causing the fever. Guess what? You don't have to know. It's okay to know, but he didn't ask Peter what's causing this. It says they just made request of him concerning her. She had a high fever, and it says that he went over to her and he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. That's a symptom. Listen, if you have a symptom and you don't know what's causing it, don't worry about what's causing it at the moment. If you have a headache or you have a fever, you rebuke it. Jesus said in, in John 14, the works that I do, you'll do them also. Did, did he go into that house and stand over a woman and rebuke a high fever? Then it says it left her. It heard him and it left her. And immediately she arose and served. I can't tell you how many times I've quoted that verse for myself. And I say, immediately I arise and serve. But what we forget to do sometimes, and I love what just Pastor Justin just did. He just went ahead and, and God put it in my heart to do just what he did. But he went ahead and, and jumped the gun and praise God. You, you speak the word. But there is a point where you do what Mark eleven twenty three told you to do. And you do the work of Jesus. You rebuke that off you. You, you can quote the word, and the word brings life. But if he rebuked it off her, then you need to rebuke it off you. If it's pain, if it's headache, if you hurt and fail yourself, if, if, a, if somebody in the salon cut through your vein with a knife and blood splurting all over the dishpan and filling up with red, and the pain is throbbing outside your leg, which was me a few years ago, you speak to it. It's an accident. Even when I told the guy not to touch me with that piece of tool, he did it anyways, you know? You have to forgive, like immediately. But God comes on the scene when you do it his way. And he healed me within just a couple days. Amen? Really by words of knowledge from someone I didn't even know. He said he was in a meeting with my husband, and it had been three days, and the Lord had done a work, but it still was throbbing some. And he was in a meeting with my husband. I didn't even know the man, and I was at home. Now, actually, I went to go visit my mother. And he, Pastor Morgan, left the meeting a little early, and the man jumped out of his chair, and he followed him to the foyer. And he said, Pastor Morgan, he's like, yes. He says, someone in your family has been cut with a knife. And he's like, who would that be? He's thinking of someone, you know, slashing somebody with a knife. It was me, because there was a knife, serrated knife. He says, my wife. She was cut with a knife into her vein and her foot. He says, the Lord says she's healed now. That's the gift of the Spirit. That's the word of knowledge. That's the word of wisdom. And I was healed at that very moment. I was sitting on my mother's couch in her house. I was healed. Amen. That's called the working of the Spirit, right? Amen. And so tonight, I, I just want to speak a few minutes. And then I'm going to give it to Justin, hopefully at 745. It should be fine. But tonight, I want to talk about the dual working of the Holy Ghost. And that's all I really want you to get out of my piece tonight. And... <clears throat> We don't talk about the Holy Ghost enough, and I know you probably think we do, but I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to kind of participate with y'all. Um, how many of you in here already this week have, have referred to 
the Holy Ghost and called him and spoke to him and called him Holy Spirit this week. Just raise hands. Okay. 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 Uh, how, how many of you this week or in the last few days have spent more than five minutes, just be honest, praying in the Holy Spirit? Amen. That's awesome. I'm looking at you online. Do I see that hand? Okay, I see that hand. How many of you have spent more than an hour in a day, any day this week, praying in the Spirit? More than an hour in any one day this week. A lot less hands, but praise the Lord. Three. So this is why we need to get a lot better acquainted with the Holy One in our lives because he is the one that's inside of us. Jesus is at the right hand of Father God. God's not down here in that sense. Jesus, the Son, is not down here. The Holy Spirit is the one. He is the one Christ entered into us through the Holy Spirit. And he is the one that's on this earth and we need to get to know him. And I think that sometimes we don't talk enough about the fact that he, he is inside of us. He is our friend. He's our friend. He's God. He's not just our friend. He's God. And he wants us to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want to do today? He wants us to talk out loud to him. And so I want to talk tonight about the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon. Just two very simple things, but I'm going to say some things you already know. Okay, we're a Pentecostal church. I know we are, but it's good to hear these things over and over again. And when you're ministering to your families and to your friends, sometimes you just need a, a simple something that you heard. All right, the Holy Spirit within you. Let's talk about the salvation experience, and we're going to go to some verses. And the Holy Spirit upon you are two separate things, even now. So let's just go to a few verses on the Holy Spirit within. Let's go to John 14. John 14, verse 16. Now, I want to talk about the new birth. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit within. Because a lot of people, even now, even some in this church will say, why do I really need to get to why do I need to speak in tongues? I have the Holy Spirit. You do have the Holy Spirit. He is within you, and that is a true statement. But I'm going to tell you why you need him to come upon you. Amen? As an initial baptism of fire. Amen? So John 14, this is the Holy Spirit within. You ready? All right, John 14. Am I there? I hope I'm there. I will pray, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Amen? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Say, he is in me. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Listen to verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And in 1 John, it says, my commandments are not burdensome. It means they're not hard to do. Just two things. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. Put me first and love your neighbor. 
as you want someone to love you. If you don't want someone to do it to you, don't do it to them. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Before you get ready to say something, give someone a piece of your mind, which you're going to have less pieces left. Before you say something or do something, always ask yourself a question. Is what I'm about to do going to cause harm? Amen. And so then he says, if you do this, I will manifest myself to you. Jesus said, I'm going to manifest myself to you. And then he says, if anyone loves me in verse 23, he will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. We are going to set up camp dwelling place with you. How is he going to do that? Through the Holy Spirit, through the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we can be born again and have the Holy Spirit, but we want the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, working every day. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens. Amen. All right. So let's go to Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, our Father God sent forth his son. This is Christmas, right? Sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. That's all of us. That we might receive now the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son now into your heart. By who? By the Holy Spirit. Into your heart crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. He sent forth the spirit of his son. Who is the spirit of his son? The Holy Spirit. Amen. And I know sometimes it's hard for Americans to understand this word adoption here, but this is not adoption as we know adoption. Adoption as we know it is we go to China and we pick out a baby and we bring it back. But that's not adoption in the Jewish times sons, real live blood sons that were born to fathers, they were considered slaves in the household until they were 12. They were considered, they, they, they were on the same level playing field as slaves. But when they turned 12 and they went through bar mitzvah, then the father, the blood father, adopted that son into his family and became rightful heir of everything that he owned. And that's called going from slave to sonship by adoption. That's Jewish adoption, and that's what he's talking about here. And so don't think of yourself, oh, I'm just adopted. I'm not, you know, like some, maybe, maybe this person is more like a son's son. Jesus is the real son. I'm just an adopt. Don't look at it that way. No, you are sons and daughters like by blood, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have received the spirit of adoption. You are a rightful joint heir of everything that Jesus has. He's your brother. Amen. And how are you getting that? Through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 15. Romans, here it is again. We'll start with 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
Now think about that. I read about slavery. He was considered a slave before he turned 12. Here we're saying the spirit of bondage. You have not received the spirit of slavery. The spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. The Holy Big Spirit, S Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God. Now that's our salvation That's the new birth, amen? And so that is what you call uh, the spirit within. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How did Christ enter you? Through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is your friend. He's your best friend. He's the spirit of the son. I don't know how it all perfectly works, but they are three in one. Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is God and God is God. But it's like, uh, you know, uh, Daryl the father, Lisa, you know, Justin the son and Lisa the Holy Spirit. We're all Morgan family. So we're all entitled. And so that's how the Trinity Trinity works. Amen. You don't have to know everything just, just, you know, by head knowledge, just receive it. It's a Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. He is living inside of you. He came inside of you and he recreated your spirit, man. Gave you a new heart. So let's read Ezekiel. Ezekiel, thank you. There you go. Nope, it's not up there. Ezekiel, it will be in a minute though. 36. There we go. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is talking about the new birth. And you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit. You're, you're not just patched up. You're not just forgiven there. You are reconciled back to God. Christians get forgiven, but when they talk about the world to Jesus, we're reconciled. I'll put a brand new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. If you have asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, no matter where you are in your Christian walk, you might be a baby, you might be a teen, you might be a child, but if you have truly asked Jesus to be Lord, He has put his spirit within you and he causes you to want to walk in his statutes. It doesn't mean you're doing everything right and it doesn't mean that you're not giving into your flesh sometimes, but your created, your new spirit wants to do what's right. It wants to love God. It wants to walk in the spirit. It wants to learn the ways of the spirit. Amen. Amen. And so that's where you need to divide, but I'm not, no, no, but your spirit wants that. So if you'll start yielding to your spirit, your flesh and your mind will obey. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's look at that. Is the Holy Spirit within. Amen. John, one more verse, John 4, 14. I love this verse. Um, And she's probably got it up there. Whoever drinks of this water. This is talking about the Samaritan woman when he met her at the well. Whoever drinks of this water, Jesus said, that I shall give him will never thirst. So basically he was telling her, if you just drink of this regular well water, you're going to be thirsty again. 
But he says, the water I'm about to give you, whoever drinks of the water that I'm going to give you will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into what? Everlasting life. That's what the Holy Spirit did initially in you when he came inside. He recreated, he's, you have a brand new spirit. You have him in there. He, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He can't live in you in a bad spirit, <laughs> in, in, in the old man, the old spirit. He had, to, he, he had to set up something new. So it's not you're just a patched up, remodeled home. It's a brand new home straight off the block. Amen. And so you need to say that I have a brand new spirit. He put a brand new spirit in me. One that loves God. One that wants to search after God. Amen. So that is called the Holy Spirit within. All right. So to learn how to most effectively, effectively, I'm not saying that you can't walk in the spirit just being born again, not baptized in the Holy Ghost. But if you want to be most effective in walking in the Spirit and learning the way of the Spirit, you must be filled with the Spirit, with the, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, with the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Um, I, I want to show you something here. Um, if you'll go to, let's talk about the Spirit upon you, power. Amen? The Spirit upon you. Now, we talked about the Spirit within, but let's go through the book of Acts and talk about the Spirit upon. Why do we need the baptism, what we refer to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need it? Can we take it? Can we leave it? You know, and we have so many people that argue and go, but I am full of the Holy Spirit. He came inside me. He did come inside you. But now we're talking about him coming upon you. And that is a difference. And if Jesus said you need it, then you need it. Amen. And this is how you need to explain it to your family and friends. But now you'll be able to take them through these different scenarios. So if you'll go to Acts 1, let's just go from the beginning. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, what did Jesus say to the disciples before this? He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power. He had already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were already born again. In, in the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a place where it said, where he breathed on them when he rose from the dead. Receive the Holy Spirit. But now he said, don't leave Jerusalem. If he told those 500 to meet him and, you know, you, you know, to go to Jerusalem, which they didn't all go. Only 120 out of the 500. But if Jesus told the, five, the 500 to not leave Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, does that mean that we're somehow exempt from it and we don't need it? No, we need it. We need it more in this day, and this is why I'm talking about it. We need it more in this time and this year coming up. You need to be well acquainted with the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Not every detail for your life is written in the Bible. Now, the way to fellowship with him in prayer is in prayer and in the word. But the, 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 minute and the fine details of your life. You're going to get those from the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what he sounds like, 
you're going to have a hard time. Amen? So not that I want that to happen. But then he said in Acts 1.8, he said, um, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, what? Upon you. Not in you. Come upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you shall be what witnesses to what? You'll be witnesses to me. The power of the Holy Spirit coming on you when the baptism, when you receive the baptism and say, Lord, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And you receive that. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and he, you don't just speak in tongues. That is the evidence of you receiving it because it's all through the New Testament. But the power of God comes on you and in you in a way you have never ever known before. And it emboldens you. It empowers you to be what? A witness for him in where you live, outside of where you live, and to the ends of the earth. How many of you in this room can attest to the fact, I can, can attest to the fact that when you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon you, you became very strengthened and very bold, and you weren't as afraid to talk to people about Jesus. And you weren't afraid when people made snarly remarks to you in school or wherever, your work. How many I did? I can remember when the Holy Ghost came on me at 11 years of age, and I received that, and I can tell you my life was never the same after that. I started reading my Bible every day of my life and started praying, and I had never done that before. I always loved God, and I started talking to people about Jesus and not caring when they said ugly things to me. I was like, okay, God loves you. But before, I was like, oh, I don't want to like, you know, I don't know. I'm embarrassed. I'm just not embarrassed. Amen? If something comes on me to say something, I just say it because I love them. And I don't care if they reject me because they're not rejecting me. They said if they reject the words of the Lord, they're rejecting the Lord. And he already gave you that Bible promise that there would be some that will reject you. So now that you know, just go on with it. Be strong and go. But there'll be some who'll receive. There'll be some who say, I want it. And they'll be desperate and calling out to God. And that makes it all worth the while. Amen. Acts 1.8. You'll receive power. Everybody say power. power. Speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is power in my life. Amen. All right. So let's go to Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues like as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they began to speak in other tongues. And the people outside the windows were going like, wow, these people are speaking in all of our different languages. And they're praising God. And they didn't know what was going on. And Peter stood up in verse 17 and said, it shall come to pass. In the last days, says God, that I will pour out, pour. If something's being poured out, it's being poured out. 
and coming upon. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Men servant, maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. And on and on it goes. I'll show wonders and miracles. Amen. So it's so important for us not to just downplay even the gift of God that's inside of you right now for those who have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed of it. Speak up to the ones that you can speak to and say, you need this power. You have the Spirit of God inside you, but you need to be filled up with him. You need the baptism of fire, the Holy Ghost on your life. Amen? And then let's go to Acts 8. Let's just look at this. If you're not convinced now, these are things that you can talk to your family about. You can talk to people about. The Holy Spirit within, the Holy Spirit upon. Acts 8, 4 through 8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Listen, this was, this was happening when Saul, our beloved Paul, that wrote half the New Testament, before he had his Damascus Road experience, right? Um, this, he was going into people's homes, Christians' homes. He had a list, and he was dragging out women and men. Come on, it's like the Nazi police or something. This is what he did. This is why he said, I am, I am the chief sinner of all. And we, we herald him as, oh, Paul the apostle. But he was a killer. <laughs> he was throwing men and women like you and I, dragging them out of our home, you know, our homes and throwing them into prison and killing them. Amen? And look what God did. And so they went, but did it scare them? No, they, they left, they were scattered. The disciples went everywhere preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached what? Christ. They had not heard about Christ. Philip preached Christ to them. That's salvation. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed, lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Listen, when someone is truly preaching Christ and the power of Christ, miracles, signs, and wonders will follow for the heathen and for the sinner to get saved. And there will always be great joy in the city. There will always be great joy, not confusion, not weird stuff. There will always be great joy. Amen. And then come on down to verse 14 in chapter 8. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem, these were another set of apostles, they heard that Samaria with Philip, right, had received the word of God. So they'd already received Jesus. They had received the word of God. Then they sent Peter and John to them. Why? They were already saved. When they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought they were saved. Well, they were saved. The Spirit of God was within them. But now they need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If Peter and John felt like that was important after Philip did his job, don't you think it would be important for us today? Amen. And so Peter and John, 
And so who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had received him into their heart, but he had not fallen upon them. Okay? He had fallen upon not upon, upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's salvation. Then what did they do? They laid their hands on them and they did what? They received the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, these are scriptures that you can mark down, take notes. I'm just gonna go to one more and then I'm just about done. Acts 19. Acts 19. This is one that I, that I love to read. And it happened, verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we, we have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said to them, what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who'd come after him. That is on Christ. Now, in my opinion, verse five, they get born again right now. When they heard this, so they'd heard John preaching about repentance to the guy that's coming after. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized into Christ. Amen. And then when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon. There's that word. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly. When the Spirit of God comes on you and fills you with that baptism, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you will be emboldened. The power of God will come on you and you will be emboldened to speak as a witness for Jesus. Amen. Say this with me. Greater is he, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So let me just say this. You are with the Spirit upon, you are empowered for service. With the spirit within, that is what we would call fruit bearing time. He helps you bear fruit in what I would call the nine gifts of the spirit as far as the nine gifts, the fruits of the spirit. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, temperance, and on the list goes. So when the Holy Spirit's within you, he's working in on your character. Uh, that would cause you to bear fruit. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's emboldened you for service. And until the Holy Spirit comes upon you with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you are not going to see the results and the profit of the nine gifts of the Spirit in your life which is for every man to be able to walk in as the Spirit's wills, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, prophecy. I never prophesied. I never had a tongues and interpretation or a word of knowledge over somebody until after I got filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. So the, the infilling or the Holy Spirit upon you is for you for service, to bless mankind. And as you 
pour into mankind, it will even deepen your own personal walk and it will bless you in your prayer life. I love praying in tongues and especially early in the morning. I'll just be praying in tongues and I'll say, Lord, what do you want me to pray about? I always want to pray about my kids and my family, but there's times I just say, what do you want me to pray for? And all of a sudden I'll start praying and I'll start interpreting my tongues. I'm not trying to, but he says desire to do that. And so I just say, I just let him have it. And I start praying out stuff and saying it in English. But I would have never done that without praying in the spirit first. So those are just two things I wanted to talk about the spirit of God tonight. Two things that would help you minister to your family, your friends, and to remind you the difference between the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon. Come on, Justin. So with that, the getting filled with the spirit is so amazing, but what a lot of people fail to realize later on in life the Holy Spirit will start leading you into different areas of life and you start questioning whether it's God or not that all these things are happening to me. And one thing I want to bring up is that Luke 4, 1, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led into the, into the wilderness by the Spirit to be what? Tempted of the devil for 40 days. People will blame the devil sometimes, and it is very true because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy but a lot of times, especially as you're praying in the spirit, you start going into what's called sufferings. Now, God does not tempt you. God says, I cannot be tempted and tried and tested. I don't, he doesn't have that within him. But what he does do is he'll lead you to face the devil. Why is that? God wants to build a crowbar in your back and not a cotton string is what Brother Hagin would say. Because there's going to be times you're going to get out there doing ministry and you're going to face the devil. And so what he did with Jesus is he led him out there. Jesus has got to put his flesh under. He's fasting. And now Satan's coming at him, and he's coming back with what? The word. So at night when you're in your bed and you're struggling with your thoughts, now I don't know if Jesus saw the devil, but how Satan tempts you now is he comes at your thought life. Accusations. He's the accuser of the brethren. So he kept coming at him saying this, and he says, if you're the son of God. I'm sure when you get weak and tired and you haven't had food or you're stressed out and you've been working long hours, that's when Satan's coming. That's when he's coming when you've had a long series of meetings or you've been, you just worked way too much and you sit down and I just need a rest. That's sometimes where you feel like you're just slipping, slipping on a slippery bank, just kind of the next thing you know, you have a couple carnal flashes and you, you know, you cuss somebody out on the road and Christmas morning, oh Lord. So I guess we'd come over and mom was talking about the pancakes and, you know, kind of started with that, which was fine because they were good pancakes. But she's like, I don't know if I made them good enough or they're, they're buckwheat. I couldn't eat. We're like, it's fine. It's fine. So, you know, we're, we're argue, arguing about the pancakes. Sausage biscuits. Your first Christmas morning. The biscuits weren't made with white. We're just like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's Christmas morning. Let's enjoy and celebrate. Glory, you know. Get out on the road and get to my sister's house and some guy, we're 20, minute wait, 20 minutes waiting in line. And then, um, you know, because they got a brand new security and some guy decides to barrel through everybody and just cut me off. And I put my hands up and I, I just looking at him like, really? And the Lord said, it's Christmas. And I said, I know. But people have been waiting 20 minutes in this jerk. You know, I want to get out of my car and tell the security guard. You know, but that's a good time to prove the word, Right. It's Christmas morning. There's no reason to get out of your car and fight somebody over because you've been waiting for 20 minutes. I thought I felt, felt it. You know, so it's like Satan comes 
right? And God's not going to stop Satan from coming. Why is that? Because he wants you to grow in what he's, be a doer of the word and not a hearer deceiving yourselves. If you're going to walk in love, if love's patient, if it's kind, if it hardly notices when others do it wrong, right? Love is uh, patient with imperfect people. You're imperfect. God is really patient with you, right? You can't be patient with a ding-dong driving his car, you know, that needs Jesus. <laughs> and God is as, as long-suffering, long-bearing with us. And so, God, so here he's leading Jesus in there to be tempted by the devil. Um, uh, Hebrews 5, 8 through 9, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been perfected, actually another scripture means having been matured, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Well, in order for him to become the author of eternal salvation and God to give him that title, Jesus is going to learn obedience by the things he suffered. Well, why wouldn't God make you learn obedience? And you're going to go through some sufferings. Your flesh is going to suffer. You're going to suffer sometimes when God says give or sow into a meeting. Well, God, I don't have it. And he's saying do it anyways, you know. Test, try me. Test me on this. Your flesh is going to suffer when you got to walk in love with your family over the holidays. You walk in the house. Now, the, the biscuits was fine. But I know some of y'all go through some real sufferings when you see your family for the holiday. When we go up north to see, I hope they're not watching. <laughs> I'm not going to say. When we go up north, there's some real suffering that goes on. Well, they're not, not everyone's always walking close with the Lord. They're not always walking in love, reading 1 Corinthians 13. So your family's going to have flesh flashes, and they're going to bite your head off, you know, because you put hot sauce on the Reuben sandwich. Then my aunt, my aunt, I love you, my aunt. You're, you're, I don't think she watches. But... You just kind of, you have to learn in those moments um, that that's when you get a chance to prove the word and walk in love and let God perfect you. Because if you're going to keep going through the same, like she was saying, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Well, you're just going to walk that same mountain until God says, until you pass this test. You can give everybody a piece of your mind and you're like, you've been giving people a piece of your mind for 30 years and nothing in your life's changed, you know? <laughs> so... John 16, says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace, but in the world you'll have what? Tribulation. So Jesus is saying, where's peace at? It's going to be in me. Peace is in Jesus. The problem with the word of faith movement is that we think it's glory to glory, faith to faith, and it is. And that you, that you have overcome, that Jesus has overcome the world, but we don't talk a lot about tests and trials and going through things about the whole wilderness experience that Jesus went through. And so I believe in that, you know, we're supposed to be, we're going to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. I believe that. But uh, John McMillan says that the energetic, spiritually charged child of God who begins to practice the word is going to met, be met with resistance from the devil. And we'll, we'll, we'll see why that is. People go, well, I don't want the devil to even know who I am. And it's funny that the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that's going to lead you into a fight, which means that he's a fighter, right? Most people want to lay, oh, I don't want the devil to even find me. Well, Satan's going to destroy everything in your life without you doing anything. You might as well. He's going to tear your family apart. You might as well get in the ring and fight anyways and give him some resistance. I heard a good saying by Pastor Mark. He said Satan tempted Jesus three times and then he left. He's a quitter. He's always been a quitter. And he says he's going to come back at a more opportune time. When? Well, he's going to wait for your guard to be down. He's going to wait for you to be tired or you've been, you hadn't been to church. 
But one reason in Mark um, 4.13, it says, do you not understand how, so one part that suffering comes is for the word. You don't understand how this parable, you understand it. The sower sows the word and there are ones, there are ones by the wayside when the word was sown, when they hear Satan comes immediately to take the word that was sown in their hearts, immediately. Likewise, there's ones who sown on stony ground who when they heard the word immediately receded with gladness. They took no root in themselves and they only endured for a time and afterward when tribulation and persecution arises, so the Bible says it's coming. For what? The word's sake. Immediately they stumbled. Why? They developed no root. They received it with gladness. So um, then there are ones who sowed among thorns. There are ones who heard the word and the cares and the deceitfulness of riches the desire for other things, they ch- it choked the word. It became unfruitful. There are ones who sowed on good ground and those who were, heard the word accepted it. They bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. One thing I, I liked about this verse was because of the word, persecution is coming. Why? Because Satan doesn't want you to get this. That's why people come in here and you'll see them. They'll get excited for the word. In three months, you won't see them in church. Six months, maybe a year. Or they'll come for a time. And because of the word's sake, persecution comes. Then that's when you're going to go through. Satan is going to do everything in his power for what you came in here and receiving the word, receiving from God. Now he's going to do everything to pull you out. And so I don't think a lot of people um, realize that one of the reasons... um, uh, there's different types of suffering. Now there's another one, uh, suffering for his name, Acts 5, 40 through 42. They agreed with him when they had called the apostles and beaten them. They commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. So it says what? That they beat them. I haven't been beaten yet, so I'm doing pretty good. I know we all cry and complain about a lot of problems, but we have not beaten yet. In Australia, they're throwing them in jail, not for the word, maybe. It's for the vaccine, but... We haven't been beaten yet. That they should no longer speak in the name of Jesus, and they departed from the presence of the council doing what? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease from teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Well, one thing they didn't do is they didn't listen to the rulers telling them what to do and telling them to stop preaching Jesus. So there's the word telling you right there. If the government tells you to quit preaching, the Bible's telling you it's giving you access. Go ahead and keep preaching. You may suffer, but it says do what? Rejoice. So a lot of times Satan will put heaviness on you. Why is that? Because if Satan can get you down, you're not going to rejoice, you're not going to sing, and you're not going to dance, and you're not going to praise the Lord. So lately, I've been feeling myself kind of like I said, start slipping. And that's when the Lord says you need to start rejoicing. I feel I'm not feeling well today. I'm, you know, things are going wrong. Well, that's when you start putting the word to the test. That's another opportunity to prove God. Why? God wants to mature you. He don't want you to be a Christian, what the Bible says, that's tossed by the wave in the sea to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You're basically a spiritual fruitcake. One day you're up, one day you're down. One day you're praising the Lord, and the next day you're calling everybody because you're sad. We've experienced that here. And so that's an opportunity to prove him. And, um, I mean, Jesus went through it. Another one is suffering for prosperity. So Jesus answered them in Mark 10 and said, Surely I say to you, no one has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, or wife, children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, and they shall not receive a hundredfold. Now on this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with what? Persecutions. Now we claim 
the brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and lands in Jesus' name. <laughs> a lot of times we don't claim the persecutions. And you don't have to, Brother Hagin said, because it's going to come. And we should, <laughs> but we should be claiming the lands. I mean, you know, the Bible says that. People that, they're, they're, they're seeking first the kingdom of God. They're giving everything to follow Jesus. You're suffering at work. I suffered at my first job at Fridays, being the only person there who's a Christian all the time. But I know the, the Holy Spirit led me there. And I kind of was like crying and complaining to dad. And dad just put me on the word. And everybody there is a heathen and you know, everybody, the managers didn't like me because they're all sleeping with each other and the, the cooks are all sleeping with each other and everybody's sleeping with everybody the, if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry. And then um, I'm standing up for Jesus. So obviously a light, there, there's gonna be persecution that comes because I'm putting a light on these people in this dark place. And I'm loving, I was never mean. I never said anything. Most of them just knew I was a Christian. I'd talk about the Lord a little bit. And then, but they would ask me lots of questions. Hey, hey, your daddy's a preacher. Ah, yeah, he steals all that the money from them people, right? Or he, your daddy, what kind of truck does your daddy drive? Just, you know, those, just questions like that. And um, I would just talk to him. I wouldn't get mad at him. I understood that that's, that was coming. That's a part of the, being a Christian. You're going to suffer persecution. Hey, that maybe one of them would get saved. First uh, Peter 2.18, servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, not because of conscience towards God endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Now he's saying that if you endure grief and you suffer wrongfully, what credit is you're beaten for your faults? Just take it patiently. You, t- you, you decided to get into that. But what credit is it when you're beaten for your faults? You take it patiently. You do good and suffer, take it patiently. This is commendable before God. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us. So you may suffer at work, but that's good. Christ suffered for you on the cross right? You're going to suffer at your job. I suffered at the last two jobs I had before the church. Um, And um, so he says, he leaving us as an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, you don't suffer with sickness and disease because in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, by his stripes ye were healed. Now, Christ's substitution took sickness and disease, but also Christ's example is saying, in these moments when you're suffering, it says, it says he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And um, back on verse 18. So 1 Peter 2 is going down this line. Then it goes from 18. Then it says verse 24, but by his stripes you were healed. But he's saying, um, I'm also going to go to 2.24. He committed no sin, nor in a deceit found in his mouth. Uh, that means he didn't try to deceive and swindle people and, you know, for the gospel's sake, but when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten people, but he committed himself to who judges righteously, who himself bores our sins on the body on a tree that we haven't died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Now he's talking about suffering, but he's also saying that sickness and disease is paid for. You don't suffer. I'm suffering with the sickness and disease. Well, if suffering for sickness and disease brings glory to God, then everybody in the hospital should be giving glory, is, should be somehow praising God. If God's using sickness to teach people a lesson, then everybody in the hospital should be really getting some lessons and growing spiritually further than I am because I haven't been in a hospital maybe, but maybe once since I got knocked out in this year. <laughs> I suffered, but I suffered on my own account and I just took the blame for that. But it's true. Why would God be in contract with the devil to help God? 
God, you, you, you put sickness and disease on them, I'll get them and healed. No, it's not how it works. But God's gonna, he's gonna allow Satan because he wants you to use your authority. He wants you to take your place in Christ and say, no, Satan, Christ hath redeemed me from the curse. Get your hands off me. That's what Jesus did. He used the word. And so God's going to allow Satan to come. It says he's coming anyways because of the, because of the word's sake. Yeah. Yeah. And so God wants you to build some character in you. I want to read something from Brother Hagin that talks about this. He says, many people think that they learn that when they learn how to believe in God, they'll never have any more problems, but the Bible doesn't teach that. Suffering will make them grow up spiritually in a hurry, in the same, in the natural realm. As a child, your food and your bed, they're provided. Everything is furnished, but then when it comes time for you to go get out on your own, you start paying rent, buying food, making automobile payments. You find out right away whether you are mature or not. As I look back, I can see I wasn't aware the Holy Spirit led me into many hard places. Just knowing the word and walking by faith will not mature you. Now listen to that. I'm going to say it again. Just knowing the word and walking by faith will not mature you. The reason many people never get settled or mature is they will not stay in a hard place. Why? They usually, things get hard or God tells them to go somewhere or to work somewhere. Uh, You know, they get up and leave. So Brother Hagin tells a story in the during the New Year's service, he says he got up and he said, Sister so-and-so, I want to thank, I want to, you know, this year has been, I love this year and I want to say that Sister so-and-so, I love you so much because you've taught me, you know, faith and walking love. Everybody knew Miss Sister so-and-so was the biggest gossip in the church. And, but Brother Hagin was commending her because he said he wanted to leave that church so many times because there was just so much problems, gossip, and people just spreading rumors. But he says he learned maturity through that. This lady that would gossip about him, as soon as he became a pastor of the church, she'd just run around spreading all kinds of false rumors about him. And he says, you know what? That woman grew me up spiritually more that year than anything else. I would just walk in love. I'd pray for her. But he said, I had to stay in that hard place, and I had to grow up and mature. I couldn't just, he said, if the Lord hadn't told me to go here, he said, I would have just left this church. said, the heck with it. Well, the, God's going to keep you in places. I mean, pastor can't just get up and leave. He's talked about it. He's talked about going to the mountains and just getting out of Dodge. You know, there's days he's just like, I'll just leave this church. He makes jokes about it. You guys hear, I'm just going to leave this church to Justin and Lisa or just to Justin. And I'm out of (laughs) here. I mean, there's days that he wants to just get up and leave, but God's not going to let him. He's going to have to suffer a little more. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's that's a hard thing to realize as the Holy Spirit that even when Jesus suffered, he did not threaten people, but he committed himself to God. Brother Hagin says he'd get up and preach. He said even during the meetings where he was churches he's preaching at, people make fun of him about his faith and whatever he was talking about. He just said, I just let water roll off a duck's back. Just keep on preaching. Keep on preaching faith. He said, I'd go in the churches and I would mud through piles of unbelief, piles of doubt, piles. He said, unbelief which charged in the air. And he said, I was suffering. I was going to churches, dealing with believers, suffering. But he said, the Lord knew that one day I would pastor Ramah Bible Training Center all over the world, and I would need to go through those. Why? God's not going to put a novice in office. God's not going to put somebody in the military as a general who had never went through the ranks. 
and suffered and that actually, you know, there's people that they, in the military, they jump through the political route, you know, and then there's people that actually go through the real ranks. And so people respect, uh, this was during one of the movies, um, Band of Brothers, there was two guys, there was a guy who had kind of showed up during the beginning as a private, but the men started to respect him because he had fought with them. Well, then there's another guy back home who was hopping all the ranks and buddying up and kissing, you know, booty and whatever else and getting, became a captain and they sent him over and the guys just completely rejected him. When it came time to fight, people were getting killed and then nobody would listen to him anymore. But the one guy who had stuck with him, who had been with him, who'd suffered with him, that's the one that they said, we want you to be in charge of us. And so God's not, and then eventually he, you know, it was very hard for him, but it almost, and Paul talks about that. I'm going to skip down. Um, and Paul says during, uh, I think it was second Corinthians when he's talking about his trials, the reason he started, uh, I'm going to use a passage translation, second Corinthians eleven twenty two. he calls these people super apostles. And if you go back and read in the passage, what he's talking about is there's a lot of fake apostles coming in and preaching just tickling ear stuff. And they all were like, he said, you're, you're so and fanatic in this translation with all the new people that are coming and telling you something. And now you're testing me and asking me if I'm a real apostle. And Paul was really, I mean, these guys didn't suffer hardships. They were just kind of riding off the coattail of everything Paul pioneered. And now they were getting up and they were good, elegant speakers. And then the people, they were swaying them with what they were saying. And there's many people that can speak. And Paul, that's why he said, I'm not persuasive, persuasive in my speech, but in powers and demonstrations. As Paul said, I'm not a good speaker, but I am, I have the revelation and I do show up with the power and the demonstration of the spirit. So they started to kind of get tired of, of Paul and they wanted this kind of new thing that was happening in the Corinthian church. It was these new speakers. And so he says these, are these super apostles of your Hebrews? I am too. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Me too. Are they servants of the anointed one? I besides myself when I speak this way, but I'm much more of a servant than they are. I've worked much harder for God, taken more beatings, been dragged to more prisons than they. I've been flogged excessively multiple times, even to the point of death. Five times I've received 39 lashes from Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. Three times I've been shipwrecked for an entire night and day I was adrift in the open sea. In my difficult travels, I faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even to my own people. I've survived deadly pearls in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea, with spies posting, posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry, shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. Besides these painful circumstances, I have daily pressures of my responsibilities for all the churches with a deep concern that weighs heavily on my heart for their welfare. I'm not aloof who is desperate and weak. I do not... Do I not feel their weakness? Who is led astray in sin? And do I not burn with zeal to restore him? If boasting is necessary, I'll boast in the examples of my weakness and the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is eternally praised, knows I'm speaking the truth. Once when I was in Damascus, the governor of the king, Arades had his troops searching for me and had me arrested, stuffed me in a basket and lowered me through. So Paul's going through telling them, if you want to see someone, these people did not suffer how I suffer because he was showing them the signs of a true apostle that what you will go through. I mean, Ananias told, the Lord told him, Paul will suffer many things for my name's sake. 
Now, Paul didn't suffer with disease, but people complain about, the, about serving the Lord and how hard it is that they've never gone through any of this that Paul went through. And Paul, um, you know, he went, that's when later on down the scripture, he talks about that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. And um, I want to read uh, what he said about that. Let me just go to that. Because it's, it's such a powerful in the passage translation. Um, let's read the full chapter. So, many, you know, uh, in verse 1, he starts in chapter 12. Oh, let me do the passage. My Bible wants to kick back. Although it may not accomplish a thing, I move to boast about supernatural. Actually, I'm going to skip down. Paul's Thorn 7. Extraordinary levels of, levels of revelations I've received for, no, for not anyone to exalt but me. For this why a thorn in the flesh was given to me, the adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this, but he answered, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So what he's saying, and so he says, I celebrate my weakness for when I'm weak, then I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ that's living in me. So Jesus is saying, my full power will be expressed through your weakness. Now that's that time Paul's crying and saying, I've been all these bad things have happened to me. I've been suffering for the Lord. And Jesus is saying, my grace is more than enough. My power is more than enough to be expressed, to be demonstrated through you during these times and these moments. And Paul's dealing with all this whole city that's turning against him, of a church that he's built, that he's established, that he's set up. His own brethren, he says, turning against him. And so there's many times that we're going to go through that in our life. But, you know, one of the best things is, is what I, um, I want to talk about is the rewards for suffering. And Philippians 2.7, it says that um, in the New Living Translations, instead I gave up divine privilege, Jesus is talking, or they're talking about Jesus. He took on humble position of a slave and was born a human being. And he appeared in a human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to what? The place of highest honor and gave him the name that's above all names. Jesus humbled himself, became a slave, and it says he was obedient. That that's a huge part. And then God honored him. One other one is in James 1, 2 through 4 passage. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it is an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then, as you endure, it grows, and then your endurance, it says, grows even stronger, and it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold Blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test of faith. You will receive a victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. It says in there you'll experience true happiness, untold blessings, but you have to stay strong. And it says that that's going to, these testings will actually stir your faith and then it'll actually, um, you'll grow stronger and then it perfects what? Every part of you. 
So in order for God to, to use you, you're going to have to go through these testings, these sufferings, these trials, and stay in faith and go through them with joy. And that way, he can take you to the next level. And, um, you know, I started realizing that, that sometimes you think bad things. Now, I believe Satan brings things to you, but God's not going to stop it because he's going to say, are you going to rejoice? Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Are you going to continue to rejoice? And so, you know, the holiday seasons are, are definitely a good time to lose your joy, especially when you're, you know, there's so much demands and pressures and things happening and you got lots of family members and that's a great time to really show that you're a doer of the word and not a hearer only. The only part, like Dad says of the Bible that works is the part that you do it. So this holiday season was, you know, a good one for me because, um, and you know what, God came through, paid all my property taxes at the same time with my homeowner's insurance and buying gifts for everybody. Well, then, out of nowhere, my dog gets attacked. Well, my neighbor kind of took her. It, my dog went and lived over there because the girls would watch her and that she loved playing with the girls. She's been over there like two years, but she comes back over and sees me. But when it comes to the bill, it's my dog, right? Comes with the vet bill. So my dog grew up with their dogs and they're German shepherds. And for about two years, everything's been fine. They kind of ruffle here and there. But well, yesterday, they, are, they got into a bloody, war, or two days ago, war, war path. And my dog's got five tubes in her head now, stitches all over her face. And the girls were telling me today, they just said, we don't know what happened. Just out of nowhere. That one of them just attacked her and like tried to kill her almost. And, you know, and it's like, in the middle of your, you're about to get your finances all set up, you paid everything, and then boom thousand dollars goes out to the vet, right? But I just said, Lord, I'm not going to let this, you know, Mary Fran told a story about the time that she started preaching and, and, the, and was going further in the things of the spirit. And then she, her son had a dog and, and a cat, and then the cat had kittens. And as her meetings were increasing and better things were happening in her ministry, and I don't remember exactly how the story goes, but Nick came home and the dog had bitten all the heads of the cats off all throughout the house, just causing turmoil for the family, trauma. And, um, you know, and my neighbor kept saying, we don't know why this happened. We don't know why this happened. This is very strange. And I'm saying, I know why it happened because there's a devil. Because <laughs> that, you know, that it's after two years, you would think that what, what would be the reason for this? And so I just learned in that moment that I'm going to count on all joy. I'm not going to get into a fight with my neighbor over the bill, who's paying it, whatever. Praise the Lord. I'm rich enough. I'll pay it. The Lord's going to take care of me. You know, he, are, he, he pays the bill. And I'm, and I'm not going to sit there, you know, with what the Lord has. He, Satan puts up roadblocks all the time. And with Paul, he, he put them up. And we, he doesn't, Paul didn't have the freedoms that we have. But even in America, you're going to experience constant roadblocks, you know, along the way. And you just have to you know, kind of sink your, your feet in and say, I'm not giving up. The Bible says that if you endure, you'll receive the crown. Did you have more? Just one more so mom has one more scripture. But I want to just encourage you with that, that, that God uses, he'll let you go through stuff because he's trying to mature you. Why? Because you can't be in a place of ministry, driving around town, screaming at everybody out of your car because you're angry, when next thing you know, you know, if the mayor did that, he wouldn't be the mayor anymore. So the higher you go up, the more God is going to require from you, especially out of your character, 
especially out of how he wants to use you. These big name ministers, they have a lot. You have to really be careful on how they act because the, the higher that they go, the more, I mean, people are coming at them. I mean, they're looking, the news is looking for every way to get into Kenneth Copeland, you know, and they're always looking for an opening just to scrutinize. I mean, they did that with Donald Trump. Just every little thing. And so the higher you go, and I believe that God is more interested in your character and how he's, so he can use you for what she was saying for the works of service. You can't be laying hands on one person and then cussing somebody out in the grocery aisle the second. You know, and so in order, you, you'll, that's not a good witness, especially of the gospel. It's called being a flesh and being carnal. And, um, you know, we've all been there. I've had my carnal days especially during the mask uh, mandate time. When they were walking the best, they said, you need to put a mask on. Like, you communists, you know. Oh, no, I'm not putting a mask on. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to give this back to mom. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just going to read one more scripture and then we're going to pray. Amen. Truth is, is we want to be more acquainted with precious Holy Spirit. And, that, and, the, and, the, and how to do that is through fellowshipping, how? In prayer with him and in the word. The word tells you what you need to know. All the details that you don't know, many of them are found right here. That's how you fellowship with Holy Spirit. It's his letter to you. And so say this with me, John 16, 13. Say this with me. However, when he... The Spirit of Truth has come. He will guide me into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell me things to come. He will glorify God and he will take of what's God's and he'll declare it to me. All things that the Father God has belong to Jesus. Therefore, he will take of Jesus and will declare it unto me. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for declaring unto me the things that the Father God has shown Jesus. And the things that belong to Jesus are now becoming mine. He will thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading me and guiding me into all truth. Not just the truth of the word, but the truth of the things that pertain to my life. And what I need to do and where I need to go. Amen. Jesus is Lord. I just want to say two more things. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come on up and see me after service. Me or Pastor Justin will get you filled tonight and you will be